Welcome to the Grace College Podcast, a ministry of Grace Bible Church located in College Station, Texas. We desire to impact students who will impact the world for Christ. Hope you enjoy the talk and hang around for more after. Good morning. My name is Cole Ellerbrock. Uh, for those of y'all that don't know me, um, I am on staff here at Grace as a part of our uh, fellows program in the college ministry. And I wanted to point a couple people out. Uh, we have some very special guests here uh, this morning. My grandparents are here. Uh, yeah, exactly. They drove all the way in uh, from Houston this morning. And so if you saw them and were walking in, you're like, I wonder what their major is, or I wonder what flow they're in. Uh, they're not college students. They're my grandparents. Honey and Pops, as uh, we call them in our house. I give each and every one of y'all permission on their behalf to call them Honey and Pops if you see them. Um, so yeah, we're really thankful that y'all are here. So they'll know about this, but uh, when I was a kid, I loved to kind of stand out. Um, I love to kind of go against the grain uh, of social norms, if you will. Um, I love to uh, be noticed and honestly just be the center of attention. And so uh, one of the ways uh, that I did this was through some pretty remarkable, uh, bold uh, child fashion statements. And so uh, right out of the gate, you know, went with the old post-it note uh, outfit. It's a great look. It's, it's bold, but, um, you know, it's a pretty timeless look, you know, really makes you stand out. Next, uh, this one was called the art car. Uh, I wore this to school uh, because I was so excited in kindergarten that uh, the art car parade was going on in Houston. So I said, hey, I want to look like an art car. So I chose construction paper. So I don't know what really my affinity was for wearing paper back then was. But anyways, moving on, we got this guy. Pretty good look, you know, got the bandana, the pillow in the stomach, those jean shorts just hiked up nice and high with some, uh, some good glowing white legs there. And then this one, a timeless look, uh, you know, especially for a guy, this is with my friend Trace, you know, take the bottom of the shirt, roll it through the neck hole, roll up those jean shorts with boxers hanging out through it. It's a good look. And I'm a little upset because I couldn't find uh, the picture that I really wanted to show y'all, which is a little weird, but this picture I wanted to show y'all was when I, kind of my peak childhood fashion moment was, I have an older sister and she uh, played soccer growing up. And so to her games, I would love to wear her one piece swimsuits too. Uh, and so it was a, a nice navy blue swimsuit with a good little pink bow right here. And so I loved wearing it for some reason, you know, just to be the center of attention. Honestly, I don't know where my parents were through this whole situation, but, uh, you know, I thought it was a good look. And so anyways, the, the reason I, I kind of share those with y'all is because there's something, there's something within us we all love to be noticed. We like to kind of stand out a little bit. We like to be a bit unique and, and be a bit different so that people can notice us and so, so that we can be seen. And what we're going to do this morning um, as we dive into the scriptures, what we're going to see is that Jesus is going to call us to be a people that stands out. He's going to call us to be a people that stands out as lights in the midst of a dark, dark world. We're going to see this in the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn there. It's Matthew uh, chapter 5. Matthew is the first book in the New Testament, so you can just kind of turn there, go to chapter 5. There will be a bunch of red letters most likely. And so we're starting a new series this morning uh, focusing on the Sermon on the Mount. 
And uh, it's probably something you've heard of before. The Sermon on the Mount is arguably Jesus' most famous uh, sermon, arguably his most kind of famous teaching point. Uh, It's something that people of all faiths and and just historically uh, know. They've probably heard of the Sermon on the Mount. And we're going to be calling this Sermon on the Mount series Upside Down Living. Upside Down Living. And we're going to be calling it this because what we're going to see Jesus do in this sermon is he's going to discuss how his people should stand out from the world around him. He's going to take the world's values. He's going to take what the world praises uh, and puts on high, and he's going to turn it upside down. And the reason he's doing that, what, the reason why he's turning these cultural values upside down is so that his people can stand out as lights in the midst of a dark, broken world. So this morning, we're uh, going to look at the introduction of the sermon it's called the Beatitudes, and, and what Jesus is going to do in the Beatitudes is he's going to kind of lay out this list of, of character qualities, if you will, that he wants his people to embody. And, and just right off the bat, I want to be very clear that Jesus is giving us this list not to simply um, give us a new set of rules to follow. He's not giving us this list to uh, impose some sort of new moral code upon us or anything like that, um, but he's doing it so that as through the power and work of the Holy Spirit, as we live out this list of character qualities, he's doing it so that we will shine, again, like lights in the midst of a dark world. And so to kind of clear up uh, the setting or or set the scene for for what's happening here, Jesus has just kind of come on the scene and there's been 400 years of silence from God. So 400 years of silence from God and then Jesus comes out. And and at this point, Jesus has been speaking a little bit. He's been teaching a little bit. He's gained a couple followers. uh, But this is going to be really his coming out party. This is going to be his first um, main big moment of teaching. And what he's going to do in this moment of teaching is he's going to peel back the curtain to show us what he's about and what he wants his people to be about. Again, with he's doing all of this for the purpose um, so that we could shine as lights in the midst of a crooked world. So we'll go ahead and jump right in. Uh, Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 1. says Jesus says, Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. Uh, so Jesus uh, has this, cr- this crowd of people a bit beneath him. It, sa- it says he's up on a mountain. A mountain is kind of a loose term. It's really kind of like a hill. So um, imagine, uh, is, Ma- is Mount Aggie still a thing? Do we still have Mount Aggie? Yeah? Okay, awesome. Yeah, it's a great place. Learn to ski there. Um, and so picture we're on Mount Aggie. Jesus is up at the top, uh, and, and this crowd is sitting beneath him. Um, and what I want you all to notice is that it says Jesus sat down. And this is, this is a little, kind of important because what he's doing is, is this was a kind of ancient uh, rabbinical principle. And, and when the teacher would sit down, that meant he had the floor. That meant he was the guy in charge. He was the one in authority. And so by sitting down, he's gathering everyone's attention saying, hey, zone in. Listen to me. Look at what I've got to say. It's important. Uh, kind of the equivalent today would be uh, just this, exactly. Um, standing up in front of a crowd with a microphone, basically. And so Jesus sits down. And he's saying, hey, zone in to me. And so the first thing he says, he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Now, the first thing I want to do is is define this term, 
bless. Um, it's a term that, that we throw around super loosely today. Uh, you know, hashtag blessed. Uh, oh, just got a good grade on a test. So blessed. I can lift, I can bench press a thousand pounds. Man, hey, just blessed. Uh, if, you, if you follow DJ Khaled on Snapchat, Major Klee, best bless up, baby. Um, you know, the whole, we throw this term around uh, a ton. And so I wanted to take a second and, and kind of define what this means. Um, so the way, the way that a lot of people define this term is basically just happy. And it is that, it is. It it simply means happy, but it's also, it's much more than that. It's something that's more, um, it's something that's much deeper um, and and lasting than simply the way we would kind of throw around happy. And so one pastor put it like this. He said, we call men happy when the world goes well with them. When they are cheerful, good-natured, loved by relations and friends, we don't always call them blessed. That word implies more heavenly affections, a deeper, holier joy. Blessedness is inward and abiding. Outward prosperity can't give it, nor can adversity take it away. So Jesus comes along and he says, blessed, this deep, lasting, uh, unshakable joy is for the poor in spirit. I think we can kind of agree that this comes off as a little weird. It sounds kind of like an oxymoron a little bit. When I uh, first saw this poor in spirit, I was like, Oh, that's kind of weird. Like when I think poor in spirit, I just kind of think like, oh, like, woe is cold, like so sad, all these problems, and I'm just so poor and down. But that's not what it means. That's not what he's saying. By poor in spirit, to be poor in spirit, Jesus is saying it's simply to honestly and humbly acknowledge that you are completely unworthy in the presence of a loving, perfect, and holy God. What does it mean to be poor in spirit? It means, to, it means to know that through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, you can boldly and confidently approach the throne of God. But you also say, God, I'm broken. I'm, I'm really messed up. Um, there's, a lot, there's a lot of sin within me, uh, and I need a Savior. I need your grace. Will you have mercy on me? That's what it means to be poor in spirit. Jesus uh, applauds this man who is poor in spirit. We see in Luke chapter 18 in his parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. Uh, talking about the tax collector, Jesus says, but the tax collector standing far off would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but he beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus says, this person is blessed. That's what it looks like to be poor in spirit. The reality is it's, it's difficult to do this. We don't, in our culture, we don't, we don't value this. We don't like to be told uh, that we're broken. We don't like to be told that we're sinful. We, we like to think we have it all together. We like to think we're mighty. We like to uh, kind of be the center of the tension and, and look like we've got it all together. Uh, being poor in spirit isn't something we wear as a badge of honor. It's not something we tattoo on ourselves. Uh, you, don't, you don't go into the gym and see many guys with a nice poor in spirit on their bicep. Uh, I feel like, you know, you go to Big Daddy's Tattoos, Tattoo Consortium, Ink Dreams, Toontown. I don't know why I know all these places. But anyways, you go in there. I'm pretty sure no guy has ever gone in there and said, "Uh, Big Daddy, I'll take the uh, poor in spirit right there on the lower bicep so everyone can see it when I'm bench pressing. No, we don't don't value that. We live in a culture that promotes self-praise and self-righteousness. We live in a culture that says, Build yourself up. You're fine just the way you are. Make yourself look great. Uh, Make yourself look mighty. You're the best out there. That's what the culture is constantly screaming at us. Um, And so we see this in in every... everything from like magazine covers to the way we network for jobs to 
uh, song lyrics. We sing about this every single time we're in Kyle Field. Power by Kanye comes on, which is far and away my favorite part of the games. I used to tell, <laughs> I used to tell my roommates, I was like, hey, I just want to go for power, want to watch all the smoke, and then we can go back uh, to, the, uh, to the house and watch the game on TV. It's my favorite part. We, lo- and we sing about this every week. We sing, oh gosh, where are these lyrics? I'm living in the 21st century, doing something mean to it. Do it better than anybody you've ever seen do it. Screams from the haters, got a nice ring to it. I guess every superhero needs his theme music. Kanye, man. This is something we all do. We all want to be uh, the person that can say, hey, I do it better than anybody who's ever seen do it. Screams from the haters, it's got a nice ring to it. We like to be that person. We like to be the best out there. But what Jesus is going to do in this moment, in, in, in this culture that, that values self-praise and self-righteousness and, and saying, I'm the best there is, is going to say, no, this true, this lasting joy, this, this unshakable happiness is found by being poor in spirit, by being willing to admit and to being willing to examine yourself honestly and say, hey, you know what? I don't have it all together. I'm not great. I'm not the best there is. I'm broken. And I really need mercy. And so my question for y'all this morning is, this week, what would it look like for you um, to live this out? What would it look like to be poor in spirit this week? What would it look like um, for you to, in your relationship with God and portray to the world that, hey, you know what? I'm a Christian, I, I'm a believer, but actually I'm, I'm a really broken person too. I don't have it all together. A lot of the world thinks that Christians have everything together and they wanna think that, and, and they think that Christians are very self-righteous people. But what Jesus is saying is, hey, as you're, as you're in the midst of a world that values self-praise, be willing to portray yourself as someone who is willing to say, I'm broken. I'm in need of grace. I need mercy. I need a savior. Jesus goes on and he says, uh, we're kind of going to just skip all over the place, by the way. We don't have time to go through all the Beatitudes. Um, he says, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the merciful. Again, mercy is kind of this, this term that we've, you know, we throw into everyday language. It's a pretty commonly used word. And so uh, what does it mean to be merciful? Uh, simply someone who's merciful is, is there's someone who's quick to forgive the guilty. Um, they're willing to extend forgiveness to the person that's wronged them. The person who's merciful is willing to have compassion on the unattractive, the one who's merciful is willing to, to see people in all their junk and all their sin and all their shame and all their guilt, all their crap, and say, hey, I love this person. I love this person. I choose this person. But again, you know, our, our culture tries to knock us off this path of being a merciful people to the world. You know, especially for this group here, uh, as we're searching for jobs and we're trying to get to the top of organizations to boost our resume, the culture is constantly shouting at us, hey, you, uh, you can step over people all you want. You don't have to value people. You can step over them. If someone wrongs you, wrong them right back. Uh, gossip about people behind their back. Hold grudges. Don't forgive. The culture is shouting what every single Taylor Swift song is about. Uh, if you know her song, Bad Blood, it's a great song, by the way. She says, still got scars on my back from your knife, so don't think it's in the past. These kinds of wounds, they last and they last. Now, did you think it all through? All these things will catch up to you and time can heal, but this won't. So if you come my way, just don't. If you come my way, just don't. <laughs> pretty, uh, 
unmerciful. Um, anyways, yeah, our, our culture doesn't value this idea of being a merciful people. But yet Christ comes in in this moment, in his first major moment of teaching, and says, no, that's not what I'm about. What I'm about is having compassion on those who don't deserve it. Um, I don't know if y'all remember this, but in, in June of last year, uh, a man named Dylan Roof walked into Emmanuel AME Church in uh, Charleston, South Carolina, and he opened fire at a prayer meeting. Uh, and he ended up killing nine people, including uh, the church's senior pastor. He walked into that room and opened fire all because of the color of their skin. And so these men and women who were affected by this, the family members, the, the men and women of this congregation could have come up with a whole slew of reasons as to why to extend hatred towards this guy. They could have come up with a whole host of reasons as to why they should express condemnation towards this guy. But the, but the men and women of these families and, and of this congregation, they chose to go a different route. They chose to go the route of mercy and forgiveness. Nadine Collier, who, um, whose mother, who lost her mother in the shooting, just days after the shooting happened, she actually had the opportunity to speak to the shooter. Um, she got to look him in the eyes, and, uh, and this is what she said. She said, I forgive you. You took something, her mom, very precious away from me. I will never, for, I will never get to talk to her ever again. But I forgive you and have mercy on your soul. Guys, that is the character of God's kingdom. And that is how Christ desires us to live. That even no matter how much we're wrong, no matter um, uh, how many times people have gossiped about you, no matter how many people have stepped on you, you're willing to say, hey, I forgive you. I'll be merciful to you. I'll extend mercy to you. And so my question again is, is, what would it look like for you to be a merciful person this week? So what would it look like uh, for you to extend mercy to your loud neighbor? What would it look like for you to extend mercy to your roommate that never does the dishes or your roommate that leaves the TV on super loud while you're trying to go to sleep? What would it look like for you to uh, extend mercy to the guy in your group project that never does any of the work? We all, we've all been there. What would it look like for you to extend mercy to the friend that talks poorly about you behind your back? What would it look like for you to extend mercy to um, the person you were in a relationship with and made you do things you weren't comfortable with? Or mercy to the parent that left you, the parent that abandoned you? What would that look like for you? Next, Jesus goes on, skipping down. He says, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Um, now, if you're kind of like me, this, uh, this doesn't sound so great. Uh, this sounds like something like uh, persecution. I don't know about that. Oppression, I don't know. Uh, but what Jesus is saying is that, hey, as you go out into this world, as you go extend mercy to the unmerciful, as you seek to be poor in spirit, as you thirst for righteousness, as you seek to make peace, as you seek to be pure in heart, you're going to receive some pushback. It's going to get a little messy at times. You're going to receive some persecution. You're going to receive some criticism when you make stands for Christ. But what Jesus is saying, he says, hey, don't quit living righteously. But rather, I offer something else. Rather know that you will experience deep, lasting joy for being persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for being persecuted for the name of Christ. 
know, in, in moments like this, the, uh, the world around us can often say things like, uh, if you're being oppressed or if you're facing persecution, uh, it's not worth it. Just, just kind of just give in. You know, if you're going against the grain of culture, um, shaking things up, they just say, hey, don't bunk the system. Just do what everyone else is doing. You don't need to shake things up. Just conform to the rest of culture. But again, Jesus is encouraging and calling us to do something so different. He's saying when you face criticism uh, for taking a stand for Christ, when you uh, face criticism in, in those moments when uh, you're pushed to, to cheat or plagiarize on an exam um, or someone's forcing you to, or, or wants you to take that extra drink or uh, someone's pushing you to gossip about people behind their back or, or you're being criticized for your faith, Jesus is saying that, hey, through the power and the work of my spirit, as you press in to me, you can confidently turn away from that and turn towards me and towards what I'm calling you. Knowing that what you're doing, knowing that the criticism you're enduring, knowing that the hatred that you're enduring is for a righteous cause. You'll experience joy from that. Jesus then um, concludes his introduction with this amazing encouragement. Skip down to verse 13. Jesus says, hey guys, you are the salt of the earth. You're the salt of the earth. Now, uh, I kind of want to clear something up. Back in, back in these days, uh, salt wasn't just uh, simply like a condiment or anything like that, but salt was used as a preservative. Um, it was used um, to preserve that which is good from falling apart. So what you would do is you would put salt on meat and it would prevent it from falling apart. It would prevent it from decaying. And so what Christ is calling us to be by calling us the salt of the earth, he's saying, hey, when people's lives are falling apart, when the world around you is falling apart, people's lives are falling apart emotionally, spiritually, physically, I don't want you to retreat. I don't want you to take a step back, but I want you to step into that. I want you to press into that and bring preservation Keep that which is good from falling apart. I want you to preserve this, which is good. When you see, he's saying when you see um, all kinds of evils and, and injustices in the world, he's saying, hey, don't turn away. Don't turn your back. Don't just be stagnant with that, but press into that. Step in and preserve that which is good. Kind of a real life example of this. Uh, so a couple months ago, I was in Greece on one of our college summer missions, and uh, I was there for about a week, and, and at the end of that, at about the one week mark, um, I got a call from the leader of our trip, and uh, he called me over to his house in, in Greece, and he sat me down on his couch, and he said, uh, hey, Cole, we um, actually just got some pretty bad news. We just got word from back home uh, that your father has passed away. We just got word that um, he suddenly died of a heart attack in the middle of the night. And so the guy that, that I was closest with, the, the joy of our family, the rock of our family, the leader of our family, gone just like that. And so I, I, I flew back home and um, was with my family. And um, in our, if I'm honest, our lives were crumbling. We were falling apart. We were an absolute wreck. But what happened in these moments is our life, as our lives were falling apart, as our family was 
crumbling and at this unbelievably low point, what happened is we had friends and family who stepped into this moment who were willing to love us, serve us, pray for us, bring us meals, do whatever it takes to keep us together, to keep us strong. That's salt of the earth people. That's what Jesus is calling to us to. He's saying, hey, in this broken world, there's going to be people's, there's going to be lives falling apart. There's going to be these unbelievable evils in the world. But don't use that as an excuse to retreat, but rather press in and preserve that which is good. Finally, Jesus um, kind of concludes this, this long introduction uh, by saying, hey guys, you are the light of the world. You're the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. What he's simply saying is this, this is an incredible encouragement. What he's saying is, hey, as you do these things through the power of the spirit, as you press into me, as you live out this character that I want you to live out, you're going to stand out and be the light of the world that cannot be hidden. You're gonna be like a city on a hill. As you extend mercy to an unmerciful world, as you um, thirst for righteousness, as you seek to make peace, as you uh, seek to become poor in spirit, as you are persecuted for righteousness' sake, he says, hey, you're gonna stand out and you're gonna shine. You're gonna shine and be the light of the world. You're gonna shine like a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. And so my prayer for us um, this week as we seek to um, kind of apply this and, and, and live this out that Christ is calling us to is, um, and as we, is that we would seek to um, be different, is that we would seek to be different from the culture's teaching, and that we would take these things that Jesus is calling us to and that we would press into them. And my ultimate prayer is that as we seek to do this, that we would look to the ultimate light of the world, who is Jesus Christ who willingly chose to step out of heaven and abandon his heavenly praises to bring light into darkness, to step out of heaven and step into a dark world to extend mercy to the unmerciful, to extend compassion on the unattractive, um, and to ultimately be persecuted for righteousness' sake, which culminated in his brutal death on the cross. But he didn't just stay there. He didn't just stay murdered. He didn't just stay dead. But three days later, he rose, defeating the power of death, defeating the power of sin, and is now offering each and every one of you this free gift of mercy and a life-giving, a satisfying relationship with him. So Father, we, we thank you um, for these words. And we, um, I think first we, we want to acknowledge that it's, it can be difficult for us to live out um, these things that you're calling us to. It can, um, being persecuted for righteousness' sake, things like that, it can be, it can be difficult to do, God. But uh, my prayer for, for us this week is that as we press into you, as we seek to love you, and as we seek to make you known to the world, my prayer is that our desire would be to stand out from what the culture is teaching us. We would stand out so we can be the light of the world so that the entire world can get a glimpse of you, so that the world can get a taste of what you're all about.
Hello, and welcome to the Grace College Podcast. I'm Jacob Smith. And I'm Kevin Barra. We are so glad that you're joining us uh, as we look a little bit deeper into our messages from this past Sunday and look down the road at the events that we have coming up in our ministry. That's right. And we started a new series this week called Upside Down Living at Our Campuses. Yes, and it was a tons of fun. <laughs> That's awesome, yeah. We're basically going through the Sermon on the Mount uh, and really looking at how Jesus calls us to live a completely different life than than the world. And so it was fun. And uh, you had a fellow speak this week, Cole. I did. Cole Ellerbrock was our fellow on display, and he did an incredible job uh, opening up with the Beatitudes. So the opening of the Sermon on the Mount is yeah. uh, what we classically call the Beatitudes, where Jesus Christ talks about uh, the the blessed characteristics of the blessed man. So talking about being humble and merciful and all these great things. So uh, I know we were basically on the same page, but Kevin, you want to just kind of run through the way that we approached that that passage? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's so great. I mean, there's eight characteristics there in the Beatitudes, and it's really kind of Jesus' prologue to his to his entire sermon. And so he's setting out the character that he desires his people to have. And and Cole and I kind of center on three ideas that uh, they would be humble, uh, Cole center on merciful, but also be committed. And and I the way I framed it was humble, driven, and committed. And what what Jesus is really saying is I want a, I want a people that are are humble and know who they are, that they reach out beyond themselves and they're committed even to the point of persecution. And it's it's a challenging, indicting message from Jesus, but it is the way he starts out this this section. So it was fun to have some dialogue. So what are some of the things that you heard from Cole that were helpful for you, Jacob? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, honestly, one of the most powerful things he shared was um, he was talking about how, you know, in living these characteristics out and, and demonstrating these in our lives, we essentially become what Christ calls the salt of the earth and, mm-hmm. and a light in the darkness. And um, one of the things that he drew out of that, you know, cool illustration that Christ uses of us being salt is that salt is has always been used to preserve what's good, right, as a preservative yeah. for meat or or food or whatever it might be. And um, so one of the things that he talked about specifically is he talked about, you know, this really intense event in his life where even just this past summer, it's very recent, but this past summer his father passed away very abruptly and very uh, unexpectedly. And so he got to share about how in that moment, in those, you know, days and weeks of just dealing with this incredible loss, um, how their family and their friends stepped in and, and they brought food and they brought meals. They brought life and joy and conversation and comfort. And he said that he just, he saw that characteristic, that that idea of us being the salt of the earth. He said it's on just a completely new light, mm-hmm. seeing the provision that God can bring through his people, how he uses believers to preserve what's good, even in the midst of suffering and anguish. Uh, it was really powerful. It was really, really cool. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, man, it is it is amazing when when the Word of God hits your personal experience in such a powerful way and, yeah. and what that communicates. So, mm-hmm. so excited that, that Cole got to share that. Another piece on the uh, on in reading the Sermon on the Mount, sometimes when we read it, we can just move to morality mm-hmm. and and just merely say, these are the morals I need to adopt. These are the things that I need to do and just really try to grit and uh, white knuckle our way toward <laughs> obedience of Christ, you know. And, and Jacob and I, as you and I were talking about this, you're we like, "That's not exactly yeah. the goal of the Sermon on the Mount." And yeah. so you're just, thinking about some a, a way to view that those yeah. calls. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I think you know. Again, it, and I know this because it's my tendency. My tendency mm-hmm. when I see something like that challenge, I'm like, "Okay, well, I just need to 
be better. And, right. and I will try and I will fail. I will always <laughs> fail to do that. Be merciful um, to everyone <laughs> right. tomorrow. <laughs> and I like immediately fail. I like cut someone off in traffic and just like, yeah, you know. And um, yeah, I, I've i had to realize through trial and error mm. and emphasis on error that if I really want to change, yeah. uh, my job is to position myself for the spirit to work. You know, if right. people are going to change, they position themselves for the Lord to work. You've, you've got to be mindful or you set that goal ahead of yourself. You say, hey, I do want to, you know, be more merciful. But instead of them thinking, okay, so how am I going to do it? You you ask God, hey, God, will you make this happen? Like, right. God, give me opportunities. Right. Lord, let me see them. God, let your spirit empower me, be strong where I'm weak, mm. uh, you know, move and motivate me to take advantage of, of these times where there's going to be someone who's hard to love. But right. Lord, I want to be more loving. So right. uh, it's it's a lot of just reliance upon the Lord uh, reliance upon his spirit because ultimately, you know, apart from him, we can do nothing. I don't know. I yeah. think someone like Jesus said that. So he, he, I think he mentioned one of those pretty things important. for sure. Well, and, and it's it's like the great prayers of saints of old, just God command what you will and will what you command. I mean, mm. God doesn't ask you to do something that he won't empower you to do. And mm. and there is an obedience portion, no doubt. But, but so often we move to how can I create this desire within me where God says, okay, look, you come to me. Come to me who are weary and heavy laden that have all sorts of corrupted desires and let my spirit empower you to live differently. Um, I close my sermon with an illustration by Gypsy Smith where he he says, Lord, I want to see revival. And, uh, and Gypsy Smith was a great revivalist in his day. And so he was asking people, how do we get revival? And he says, draw a circle around yourself and start praying, Lord, I want to see revival and start here with me. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the greatest prayer that you can pray. Lord, change me. And through me, we can change the world. Yeah, that's really powerful. That's great. We've got a couple announcements coming up. And uh, the first one, uh, the main one we want to focus on is what's next. Here it comes. We have an event this Thursday, October 20th. Mm -hmm. Uh, It is going to be at our Anderson campus at 7 o'clock. And like I said, it's called What's Next. And essentially, you know, what it is, if you boil it down, What's Next is an event that's designed to essentially help students think through and answer that question of what's next? Like what's next in my life? What's next beyond college for my faith, uh, for my life, uh, for where I live, for for how I work, for where I work? Um, we we want to help just equip people to answer that question and provide kind of a broader perspective um, as they're wrestling with that topic. Right. That's just, I mean, it's on everyone's minds, juniors and seniors in particular. Like that's Yeah, just, but even stinking freshmen, they're right. talking to me like, what is next? Where sure, is this four yeah. years going to end? But yeah, so. Tell them to sleep. That is right. next. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so really clearly it, it is targeted toward juniors and seniors and saying, hey, what – what can I be thinking about in preparing for that next step in life? And so we'll have people from all sorts of industries yeah. there uh, to answer questions uh, in in table groups. And we also have an opportunity for um, for people to hear about ministry mm-hmm. um, and hearing about seminary, but also hearing about our fellows program at Grace Bible Church. And I love this program because really it hits students wherever they're at. Uh, if they're thinking about professional world or if they're thinking about ministry vocation, uh, thinking about missions, we have places for them yeah. uh, to connect. And so. Yeah. So this will be really fun. Jews and seniors, open invitation. Yeah. Freshmen, calm down. Go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> Go to sleep. Perfect. Perfect. Hey, thank you so much for joining us on the Grace of College podcast. Hope you have a great week.